Hi everybody, welcome to segment 7.5 of Armchair Analysis. As always, if you have any corrections for us, you can tweet them at us, at AnthroGang. Alright, on with the analysis. Alright. There it is. Cool. Oh my. That was a cool fight. I liked... <laughs> I liked fighting that mimic. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, I, just, I just remember at the beginning of the campaign when dying was such a big deal, and now it's just like, ah, Elliot, get God. up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, yeah. for hot sake, does this have to happen now? Yeah. <laughs> but proms Please let this tomorrow. be a normal field trip. <laughs> proms tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what year uh, is it? Oh, my I God. Gotta get, I, do we have to do this now? I've got to give a sermon tomorrow. Elian, <laughs> get up. I want to go home. I'm tired. Uh, fine. Elian just has a massive sword through his stomach. It's just like, oh, beans. Oh. <laughs> oh, beans. I was going to have him say fuck, but uh, yours is probably better. Oh, beans. Oh, beans. <laughs> Maybe I can make it a challenge to not have Elian cuss at all. Son of a son of a friend. Son of a buddy. Or I can just do like Magnus Archive style like oh mother of puppets. Uh, <laughs> puppets. I love that. That's very good. Let's make up new swears. Oh, let's make up in-universe swears. In-universe swears. I love, love pseudo-swears. We gotta do like, this. Ah, Finky. <laughs> Finky. You. What the frick is going on here? You I think for cruel, for, is this is specifically a cruel cuss word, is it, he calls people, you son of a vampire. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the thing he... he that has the lowest respect from him. Finky is a Bob's Burgers joke. I can't take credit, but I think Irsus would be. Um, I think it's got to be purely fictional. It's got to be like you. I'm think uh, uh, you cook school, which is a Maltese soup. Someone use that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, th I think Elion's would be like some kind of like passive-aggressive southern-style insult, like, well, looks like someone was born in the shade. Because, <laughs> like, he's a, god. you know, sun god, right? Yeah. That's great. Um, someone was born on the dark side of the tree. <laughs> Oof. Oof. God. Real youth pastor hours. God. Real youth <laughs> all, pastor hours. Oh, looks, looks, looks like this one southerners. needs to be saved. <laughs> all all passive aggressive southerners already like automatically deal vicious mockery <laughs> like <laughs> now i want to play now i want to play a, a southern pc so i can just <laughs> do like, i want to play a southern bard just so i can do that i mean canonically my bard is southern you could just but yeah, we, he doesn't really do that you could just when do you're like raised a, in the south, you when you're raised in the south, you learn vicious mockery as a free as a free bonus action. Like. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. I, I love also so much the idea of a southern bard just being like a rockabilly like yeah, Ooh, yeah. like the, instead of instead of like a lute they have that like standing guitar that bluegrass oh, musicians yeah. play like a slide guitar oh my god yeah those are fun I wanna, yeah. if i play if they i play fun. a southern bard i want to give them like a banjo oh hell yeah i have a couple yeah. of friends who play banjo and i love it it looks fun it so much it's a badass instrument mm. oh yes i want to mm-hmm. play it but uh my my uh my fingies are a little out of shape. Yeah. You, you, have bo- you have bone dry feeners. Bone dry <laughs> feeners. Rune, I cannot articulate enough how much I appreciate that. Like, what that's was the reason? Great, I was literally thinking about that bit today. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of this. I thought you just made that up. I was like, oh, bone no. dry <laughs> Beaners. <laughs> uh, it's, it's my brother, my brother, and yeah. me reference. Travis, Travis McElroy is like justifying uh, mixing chip crumbs into guacamole and eating it with his spoon. And uh, he's trying to say, and you'd have bone dry fingers afterwards. But what comes out is bone dry feeners. <laughs> Because he's a dork. He is. He is a dork. Yeah. He's such a dork. Bone dry fiends. Bone dry fiends. I fieners. love him so much. Oh, he's the best. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> so, what do we have? What um are any any thoughts on the world? Your characters, City of Una, the Library of the Sun and Moon, the Zealots, the plot. I mean, anything I, at all? I th- I think. Uh, I think Elian is a little too curious for his own good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean that's uh, that's that's pretty cool though. I I, I think that's uh, that's good growth because Elian has been quite shy in a lot of the campaign up to this point. Yeah, uh-huh. like like um, it's it's kind of cool to see to see him like adventuring. Um, yeah, for like, real. Getting... He's, I think like he probably did adventuring stuff and like exploring and shit with the harpers but like if we're going off the thing that he's like separated from the harpers somehow like him being able to like explore that with this new group mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's kind of nice <laughs> yeah like the the idea that like you're starting to trust your new friends a little bit more and like you're you're relying on them to help you mm-hmm. adventure a mm-hmm. little bit and i think i cool think idea. the fact that Irsu saved his life is gonna be like, oh hey, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that. That would be cool if the uh, if that if that popped up in in future mm-hmm. in future intercharacter intercharacter development. Ah uh, yes, yes. Um. Yeah, what what uh what else? What what oh my god. I'm literally turning into Professor Kim. This is horrible. <laughs> so yeah, what I else? mean it's great. I I, I love Professor Kim. Yeah. I just don't know if I really want to like become him. Right, right. You wanna be like, you right wanna be, second. You wanna be your own your your own precious oh, flower. <laughs> yeah. Um I um, I noticed that there seemed to be a lot of like um uh, and I guess this sort of goes back to your intention of making, including like liminality and transferable spaces. Um, as soon as 
uh, two of the zealots, I think Modi and what was the other one's name? <laughs> uh, they. Right. Um, once they like reached the tree and like we were instantly transported, that sort of reminded me of like uh, the fight with the signet or like the gateway grove and like all mm-hmm. these moments of like um uh li- or like teleport for lack of a better word teleportation i guess mm-hmm. yeah yeah well i mean the gateway grove itself like i'm i guess i'm kind of trying to establish this this tree this like eagbill tree as like like because the first time that you experienced this happening was when Irsu read the Standing Stone and it transported you to the Tusk puppet. And it wasn't Tusk, but it was something about Tusk that the forest knew that you wanted or supposed that you wanted, maybe. Mm. And um, this time it literally and then but then like, I think I wanted there to be some kind of implicit assumption that that was how the order of vines found you after the fight with the signet. Mm-hmm. So like, um, cause that's the, the tree sprouted up right through the battlefield. Right. Um, and then, uh, and then it shifted back to the familiar place where you guys lost task. Um, and then when, and then the zealots somehow knew that that would happen. Like they ran straight for the standing stones and then they were like, take us to Una. And this time the, the tree was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why did a tree to listen Una to you? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, why do you think, why do you think it did listen to them? Um, were they pure of spirit and were just not? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, that's actually maybe in a sense maybe in a sense of like how a tree would measure that (laughs) like maybe their subjectivity has been blurred to the point where they are thinking more like plants now Hmm. yeah and it's easier for them to communicate with the tree hmm I didn't actually think about that. I didn't think about why the tree would understand them better. But um, but you did have it in your head, like, oh, the tree is go- it's going to work for them and not not us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had it in my head that the tree would bring them to Una. Okay. But um, but I di- I didn't know why. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, why is that? And, and it's it's possible that like. And this this could just be me like backforming like <laughs> reasons and forming a rationalization, but it could be that like this this Anton's fire, this like poison that's been ravaging their community, has made them think more like plants. Oh, um, that would be interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, um. There's definitely something afoot with like how the people, how the zealots are thinking. Like the the zealots are are not communicating in the same way, or or really even thinking in the same way. They don't seem to have the same values as they would otherwise. I just I just realized something very important. 
Yeah, what's up? That Ursula, my friend, mm-hmm. allows me to talk to plants once per long rest. Ah. Yes. And I only realize this now. Huh. Very important. Very important skill. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. We're, me and this tree are going to be having some a little heart to heart soon. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Ursula is uh, is going to be a Damn. very very important um, mediator, I think. Um, which could be why the tree gave her to you. <laughs> which. <laughs> And uh, fool that I am, I did not realize this until now. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I mean, I, uh, I, I didn't have anything written, uh, to be honest, uh, for for like, uh, for you to talk talk to the tree it at, was, the, at this point. It was not the intent that I would get it right away, and it would be obvious. And you were like, "Oh my god, they didn't get it!" Like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I was, not, I was not like. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't have like a whole chunk of space that we had to skip over because <laughs> because I failed to make the connection until now. Yeah. No, no, no. If I did, then this this session would have been like three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's you know. No. Now I know that. Now I know that. Now you know that. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's that's definitely um, something. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a fun session when we when we get back to the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, although the tree, I will say, is currently guarded by a whole ton of zealots. <laughs> it really is, but you know, what what are you what are you going to do in this life? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> life comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast. Zealots come at you fast. Zealots come at you fast. <laughs> Sometimes it do feel like that. <laughs> it do. Uh, on this um, bitch of an earth. <laughs> on this bitch of an <laughs> On this bitch of an east. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I was... Um, I'm curious what you guys think about the library of the sun and moon. Um, these, these, like, tunnels underneath the city. It's probably cool besides the fucking mimic. <laughs> <laughs> it on on that this is sort of a question about that. Um I don't know a lot about mimics, uh but is this mimic like basically a pest of this library or is it like a intentional like defense mechanism like um, to deter anyone who wants to steal books here is a bookshelf made of meat that will eat you <laughs> <laughs> which is a pretty good, good defense <laughs> that is a pretty good defense i would say that it's probably more of a pest gotcha um i was about to be like oh you don't know <laughs> but like <laughs> i'm like yeah i don't but like but like honestly like it it wouldn't make sense if it were if it were a if it were a a natural like if it were like a a, an intentional deterrent right right then like you just couldn't go in that room yeah (laughs) yeah that's fair that's fair that that room in the library would be useless why would you put books in there (laughs) that's true that's true i thought of it i guess more like a guard dog as but like a guard dog that 
transforms into furniture <laughs> and can absorb people. Um, can right. absorb people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was also interested by that, like, mirror fixture that illuminated mm. the, um, like, what floor we were on. Um, mm. It seemed, at first I thought it was going to be, like, a uh, Wind Waker-like puzzle that opens a secret room um but i thought it was interesting to just have it like illuminate like presumably something you would see every day is like what Mm -hmm. floor you're on um and that just sort of got me just like oh that's a weird that's an interesting subversion of the like mirrored (laughs) place yeah yeah honestly i I, I wanted to make a puzzle, but guys, I I'm. S- oh, that's so valid. I'm not. <laughs> You're so valid. I just can't. That's hard. I just yeah. I just yeah. can't make puzzles. That's so. I'm valid. so bad at it. Um. No, I I I don't know how people make puzzles. It's it's really it it thwarts me every time mm. I try. Mm-hmm. Um. I've been I've been like working on puzzles for for this campaign for for like at least three sessions and i keep pushing them mm. to the next dungeon <laughs> and, and that's fine because they're yeah. hard <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's um but you know i mean like also it you know it, an abandoned library like i didn't want to make it like i didn't want to make it hard hard to get to the fight to the death mm-hmm. over the book just because like i don't know the point wasn't getting to the book the point was getting the book mm. like the point was mm-hmm. the book itself i i appreciated um, that we took a break from like not content but like we didn't have to l- intellectually process a lot of new things i felt like it was a yeah. good way to catch up yeah 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 it was yeah i i didn't i didn't have like much philosophical grounding for this module sure um but the library actually had a loose literary basis, at least aesthetically. Mm. Um, I was actually thinking of the library of Babel. Um, I was going to ask. Uh, the Jorge, yeah, yeah. Jorge Luis Borges mm. uh, short story. Yeah. Um, uh, for the listeners, uh, the uh, it's this Spanish language short story. Uh, Jorge Luis Borges is this Argentinian um, uh, writer. Um, uh, there's a free translation online. It's super, super short and beautiful. I'm going to spoil it. Um, <laughs> it's... It's a, a the Library of Babel is an infinite or not, not not infinite. It's a finite but arbitrarily large collection of texts made up of all possible combinations of a certain number of glyphs arranged in books that take up a certain amount of space. They're all set up in a library of hexagonal cells that descend into this pit seemingly forever. And the people in this universe are a race of semi-immortal librarians who are all at a kind of war to find meaning in the books. The narrator is a librarian who's telling the story of how so many of his fellow librarians just end up killing themselves rather than find the book or meaning they're looking for because the library may be full of the truth, but it's also enormous and full of way more lies than truth and more Mm -hmm. nonsense than either. And there's no way of telling them apart. So, um, yeah, I don't know, like. Sounds like about- uh, sounds like the news, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like sounds like all information. The media <laughs> really uh, really makes you think, huh? Yeah. Really, wow. really dinks you, dink. you dink. Wow. <laughs> it, between that and he also has a short story that I think Rune and I last semester read for uh, uh, a class that we were taking that is about 
someone who has who is unable of forgetting things right and yeah like uh because he can remember like the shape of the cloud that he saw out of the model of the car like because he can't hold on to all of that information he would go like insane so he writes it all down on these like pages that fill literally like fill a room of like every minute detail that he is unable to forget and i think doesn't he like die early like yeah uh, he gets like he ages prematurely i think right right funes the memorias yeah yeah, that's another cool one. Yeah, Borges was pretty uh, interested in this idea of containing information, mm. like a lot of information in a small amount of space or maybe a big amount of space, mm. but like just a lot of information in one place. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the information. Also, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, I, there was there was like another short story that I wanted to discuss, but like uh, go go ahead with um with with your your comment and then then we can move on to the other thing i was i was just gonna say that like the fact that both of those short stories have to do with information that is i like at first considered like mundane or trivial or even like nonsensical like that that it is not like revelatory or like important information it's all like the color of the horse that I saw this one time 13 years ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's like, he, he's really, he's really concerned with that actually. Mm. Like that's, that's something he's really interested in. And, um, and I think that's super cool yeah. because it, it, it kind of, it kind of lowers all information to this one common denominator. Um, mm. It takes, it, it kind of averages information into this sort of stream of white noise. Yeah. Um, and it's like useful to consider information like that in some ways. Like sometimes it's depressing mm. and sometimes it's just useful because it's like, yeah, I mean, like we are all but cosmic background radiation and we to that we will return. Like there is a heat death of the universe and like it won't matter what flavor toothpaste i used (laughs) (laughs) right right um there was another short story that he wrote uh, just to illustrate how often and how like much he wrote about this stuff he wrote another short story like this is the third short story dealing with this kind of information um about uh an infinite book that you could Mm. only open to a page once because it contained an infinite amount of pages and every time you closed the book you would lose the page forever um Kind of, so kind of like, were... kind of like hanging out with your boys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of mm. like cracking open a cold one. You never yeah. crack open the same cold one twice. <laughs> Life is like a box of chocolates, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> like dust in the wind. Like Sorry, cold ones. I feel, ones I feel in a the little boys. insane tonight. I apologize that I'm saying a bunch of weird. Things. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We're, we're enjoying Girl, it. You're so valid. <laughs> Life is like a box Good. of chocolate. Am I? Am I wrong? Am I right? <laughs> You're so right. Yeah. You're so so right. Um, yeah. No. Uh, it's 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 very much like he he he's very concerned about like this idea of um, the kind of ephemerality of information mm. and the ephemerality of the value of information. Yeah. Um, and like why we attach value to information at all when, or or like 
or the process by which I guess we attach value to information and how like how different people do that. Mm. Um, mm. And so I kind of wanted to look at the library as as maybe one model of doing that. <laughs> yeah. And that also just made me think of that as you put it like that white noise that sort of like um <laughs> uh distilling down of information also like in in the class that we were taking to me i interpreted that as like oh to forget is an inherently like human thing uh mm-hmm. it, to have because that implies like a written down history and like the kind of um organization and like society where you can store information and you have priorities and things like that um but it also just got me thinking about like how um histories and sagas uh get translated and like change and embellish depending on like time periods and cultures and like that huge library full of uh indecipherable characters and people fight wars over is like very like yeah in this process of forgetting like is very important but also uh it can lead to further complications yeah it's also it's also interesting to think about how you can't forget something on purpose like you physically cannot yeah that's true it's like trying yeah. to fall asleep. Like you can't purposefully yeah. do it. Now. Yeah. The more you try, mm. it's it gets it gets harder. Mm. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Yes. The more you try to forget, the harder it is. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. Mm. But it is. I didn't have to. But I, it felt good to say it in like a dusty old cowboy voice. <laughs> you spit into a spittoon. Um. Yeah. No. I. 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 Uh. I really like that. Uh. Analysis. That's. That's. That's cool. Um. How like, it's both important to be able to forget and also like, important to be able to. Like know what it is that you're losing i guess mm. if i'm reading you right yeah like because yeah. i i think well also like i i do want to circle back to this thing that that you did say that um that like reading and 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 storing information um and writing down histories is like an inherently like um is is a very human thing to do and while i agree with you to an extent like Mm. Um, I also do want to highlight that there are like a lot of oral histories that have developed ways of, um, Mm, of like keeping, keeping like keeping very, very tight narratives over very long periods of time. (laughs) (laughs) Like um, I'm trying to remember, it might be durable. The language there's this Australian or Austronesian language um, uh, that, that preserves like uh, the the its speakers um have this uh I, and I, if it's not durable it's it's it it's uh i i'm pretty sure it's an austronesian language uh there um 
where its speakers have this uh this like cycle of um i don't i wish that i i wish that i even know knew like exactly what terms to google so that i could know exactly what i'm talking about but there's this there's this like process by which they like they tell stories like that change um on a certain like rotation throughout mm. generations and then like you can predict you can predict like what stage they're in based on like um what version of the story they're telling oh, wow. which is like really cool that's awesome <laughs> like and and like and it, it cycles back and like um and it's it's like actually this process uh that's like kind of baked into the language i think somehow mm. and i i wish i understood it better and and eventually i'm going to figure out how i'm going to figure out how exactly i'm wrong and i'm going to put it in corrections mm. <laughs> mm, right, um, right. but until such a day arrives until such a day arrives i'm just going to put this out there into the world and and say check out durable it's a really cool language <laughs> um, uh but yeah it's um there's there's a lot of oral oral histories out there that that have developed these really cool like cyclical modes of telling stories um that don't necessarily rely on on written histories um mm, right but then also to to go back to the written histories like there are written histories that that have codified um have codified uh writing as magic so mm. heavily that like um, that writing becomes like the source of magic, like uh, like runic scripts in um, in Scandinavia. Right. Like uh, uh, Odin was the the father of magicians because he was the first he was the first god to learn to read, mm. <laughs> and like and that was why that was where witchcraft came from. <laughs> and, nice. Like, and that's that's that was. I love that story. That's actually where I got my name. Like, oh, um, oh. So, um, so the uh, so that's that's like the the process of storing information was so important to the uh, ancient Norse that they uh, they um, they called anyone who could read a witch. Basically, they called anyone who could read a wizard or a, a magician. Hmm. Um, and nice. uh, like, and they're and they're right they're kind of right yeah. in that way yeah it's it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool ability to be able to like write something down that was in your head and now it's like on paper forever or whenever the paper dies yeah yeah and to, I don't know. to do the opposite of to see like someone else oh someone else wrote down something and now i will transmute it i guess into yeah now you've this. got signals in your brain yeah exactly <laughs> You've got like these electrochemical impulses in your brain now that change the way that you think, mm. which if you think about it is very stressful because it can never, you know, yes. and, and this is a cold take, but it is always a translation of that idea and never the idea itself. Right, mm. right, right. Yeah. But that kind of goes back to the reminder is the source of any thought. The, the, uh, the, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, it. um, the, the sort of, uh, idea that um, there is no po there is no uh, original thought. There's there's mm -hmm. there's just um, there's just sort of inflections and translations of uh, of images that other people and other signals and other selves have provided. Mm. Um, and maybe that's is, not so bad. 
That's not terrible. Yeah. I, I actually don't see that as such a bad thing. No. Could be worse. Yeah. Could be worse. It, for one thing, it means that you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice. Mm. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Armchair Analysis. We didn't have that much philosophical grounding for the last episode, so this one was a little shorter. Hope you enjoyed anyway. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned next week for more gameplay.